The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We gather to worship God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather for worship here in 735 Commonwealth Avenue and for the benefit of our radio congregation across New England at 90.9 FM WBUR and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We invite your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your decisions, this is your work, not mine, for forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. May we stand as we are able in the praise of God.
Almighty God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son, Christ our Lord. Give us grace so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to those ineffable joys that you have prepared for those who truly love you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. One daughter remembered her father this way, certainly what it was his response to us whenever we complained that some decision or punishment was not fair. He said, whoever told you life would be fair, that I take out and use on a weekly and sometimes daily basis. That phrase has served as a steady reminder that we need to take life as it comes and not waste time wishing things were different. His sister and aunt saved a few of his chaplain's corner columns from his experience in the Air Force in the 1950s, and this one paragraph is an early embodiment of that philosophy. We make our own opportunity and are personally responsible for the development and deployment of our talents. If we are to know the true meaning of life and experience, vital happiness, we need to know that every situation in life is both good and bad and, we, and will be for us what we make it. There is a spirit of wholeness abroad, one expression of which is found in the Judeo-Christian tradition. There is a self-correcting spirit of mercy, goodness, truth, and forgiveness loose in the universe, one expression of which is found in the Judeo-Christian tradition. So friends, will you center down now? Will you arrange yourself to center down in the deep river of this spirit? Beloved, let us confess our need, dependence, frailty, and mortality as the choir sings our traditional Kyrie.
hear the assurance of pardon. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 1 to 3 and 15 to 18. In the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head as he lay in bed. Then he wrote down the dream. I, Daniel, saw in my vision by night the four winds of heaven stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was troubled within me, and the visions of my head terrified me. I approached one of the attendants to ask him the truth concerning all this. So he said that he would disclose to me the interpretation of the matter. As for these four great beasts, four kings shall arise out of the earth, but the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. The word of the Lord.
Please join me in reading responsively from Psalm 149 with the Antiphon. song, his praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel be glad in its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with victory. Let the faithful exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their couches. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with fetters and their nobles with chains of iron, to execute on them the judgment decreed. This is the glory of all his faithful ones. Praise the Lord. rise for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 6, verses 20 through 31. Glory to you, Lord. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. 
Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. be seated.
My study of theology began in 1976 at the corner of Broadway and 120th Streets in New York. Broadway is a fine avenue, if not quite Commonwealth Avenue, it is nonetheless one fine street. There walked in those days on those streets the ghosts and memories of saints past, like Reinhold Niebuhr and Abraham Heschel, one from the Union Theological Seminary and one from the Jewish Theological Seminary. In fact, the story or myth or legend was that on fall afternoons and evenings, like this one, Niebuhr and Heschel could be found walking and talking in the 1950s as they circled Grant's tomb and strolled along Riverside Drive and lingered in the shadows of Riverside Church. It is just that kind of refreshing and leisurely stroll I would like, metaphorically speaking, to take with you this morning. I would like to remember two saints and to imagine their conversations. You probably know Niebuhr, or at least his serenity prayer about patience, courage, and wisdom. You may remember, too, that Heschel was the greatest voice of his generation and century to interpret the Hebrew prophets, Micah 6, Amos 5, Isaiah 55, Hosea 11. He said, the higher goal of spiritual living is not to amass a wealth of information, but to face sacred moments. The higher goal of spiritual living is not to amass a wealth of information, but to face sacred moments. With humble confidence and confident humility in books and lectures and articles, Heschel taught a generation the unique sui generis power of the prophetic tradition. I like to think of Reinhold and Abraham of an afternoon, celebrating their differences, honoring diversity. They probably would not have used that particular phrase back then, but their conversation and others like it holds a part of our own future. In thinking about all saints, Heschel and Niebuhr came to mind in memoriam. With you, I meditate upon them today. I wonder if they discussed difference, considered diversity in the past, along Riverside Drive. If they did, they would have recognized that diversity often precedes unity. E pluribus unum, says our dollar bill, out of many, one. Diversity comes first in history and in religious history. Houston Smith and Stephen Prothero could help us to remember this. Their books, A Generation Apart, are nonetheless equally contemporary. Smith is a perennialist, Prothero is not, meaning Smith highlights the similarities among religions, but Prothero emphasizes the differences between them, both good projects. Yet what sometimes escapes careful notice emerges at the intersection of diversity and history. In religious history, diversity regularly precedes unity. Before there was one canon of scripture, there were many books. 
Before there was one central authority, there were many city congregations. Before there was one unity of doctrine, there were many and various expressions of faith. I think so often of my beloved teacher, Cyril Richardson, who brought this understanding to bear on his students. The 27 books of the New Testament show startling diversity. Four Gospels, all distinct, especially the most radically different, John. Fourteen letters somehow connected to Paul, including Hebrews here, all very different, especially the seven authentically Pauline. Throughout the collection, a range of expression of resurrection, which Valentinus, for someone and something completely different, in his treatise on resurrection called, the resurrection is a revelation, a transformation, and a transition into newness. Diversity came first. So, difference does not surprise, astound, alarm, or confound us. Difference does not frighten us. Hold that thought. Difference does not shake us. We expect it. It is in our history, after all. I wonder if Heschel and Niebuhr talked about diversity in our time, not just in the past, but in the present, in this, the late modern period. If they did on those autumn and spring late afternoon paseos along the Hudson, they might have brought up Howard Thurman. Thurman preached and taught in the 1950s. He did so here in Boston. He did so right here, right here in this pulpit. I tell my students about Thurman, my predecessor at Marsh Chapel, by saying that he was 100 years ahead of his time 50 years ago, which puts him still 50 years ahead of us. In those years, people, I am told, would go one Sunday to Trinity Church on Copley Square to hear Theodore Ferris, and the next Sunday to Marsh Chapel to hear Howard Thurman, and the third Sunday to Harvard Memorial Church to hear George Buttrick, and the fourth Sunday, I guess, they stayed home. My father graduated from Boston University School of Theology in 1953. I wonder if they were the echoes of the voices of Buttrick, Thurman, and Ferris, which moved in his memory as he wrote the following poem 10 years ago titled Preaching. Preaching is not Bible study, but it does require biblical understanding. Preaching is not theology, but there must be theology in it. Preaching is not biography, but it does require an understanding of people. Preaching is not teaching, but it is instructional. Preaching is not biography. Preaching is not social ethics but it must point to social responsibility. Preaching is one vehicle God has chosen that can grow life. Preaching is humbling, frightening, and rewarding. In those years, back then, and in those cases and places, those hearing Ferris, Thurman, and Buttrick would have heard echoes of a recognition that difference, diversity, 
as Luke 6 teaches, includes the poor. Those at the dawn of life, those in the twilight of life, those in the shadows of life, the disinherited. This morning, we might especially recall those displaced from their homelands at various points in history, those who wandered, those who became strangers, those who were refugees, those who became immigrants. You too once were so. Remember in memoriam. Thurman spoke about common ground. John Dewey spoke about common faith. Today at Marsh Chapel, we talk about a common hope. But Thurman wrote a book and scores of sermons on the search for common ground. He hunted for those places of deep connection. People, all people, belong to one another, he taught. For this, Thurman is well remembered. But Thurman also emphasized the distinctive, the particular, and the individual. He especially highlighted the plight of those whose backs were against the wall. Long before the slogan about God's preferential option for the poor, Thurman was probing the need and experience of the poor. His best book is Jesus and the Disinherited, in which one finds a consideration of present, late modern, difference, diversity, including those today whose backs are against the wall. Our present understanding of difference, of diversity, which we offer today in memoriam, provides an ample space for the emerging claims, the just claims, of those most in need in our time. I wonder if Rabbi Abraham and Pastor Reinhold took time in their wandering tertulias for some imagination about diversity and difference in the future, not just the past, not just the present, but the future as well. A sense of diversity into the future provokes an attitude of prayer. How could it not? One thing about a walk either along the Hudson or the Charles is that it keeps your feet on the ground. You are not free to see the world from 30,000 feet in the air. You see things close up. In 2003, this country tragically entered into a war that for the first time in our history placed us outside of the bounds of inherited understandings of just war. Religious traditions have made space for pacifism on the one hand and just war theory on the other. The latter, particularly in Judeo-Christian tradition, has emphasized war as a last resort, as an international or communal imperative, as a response to unjust incursion, and as with attention to proportionality and reciprocity. This once was our heritage as a people. But in 2003, we entered a campaign that was preemptive, unilateral, imperial, unforeseeable, 
reckless, immoral, post-Judeo-Christian. So, some seven years later now, we find ourselves still standing in the need of prayer. The world's great religious traditions have everything to offer us. Here are the treasure troves of the languages of lament, hymns of compunction, psalms of contrition, poems of regret, and prayers of confession that we shall need again to fulfill our human being to become human. Dealing directly on the ground, feet on the ground, with difference, diversity, provokes prayer. One aspect of this prayer, provoked by tragic mistake, is the outworking of prayer in action. Here is one example. Refugee Immigration Ministries, under the leadership in Boston of the Reverend Ruth Burson, is offering us water, water to slake our thirst for compunction, offering us bread, the bread of life, to feed our own deep need for confession and pardon. For this reason, we at Marsh Chapel have strongly and happily partnered with her since 2007. Prayers are deeds, and deeds are prayers. Diversity provokes prayer as we enter an unforeseeable future. As Heschel wrote, when I was young, I admired clever people. Now that I am old, I admire kind people. With Houston Smith, I tend to see the similarities, the perennial lasting common ground. Maybe you do too. There is a spirit of wholeness, of wellness, abroad in the universe, one expression of which is the Judeo-Christian tradition. That is, we are all more human and more alike than we regularly affirm, all of us on this great globe. We all survived the birth canal and so have a native survivor's guilt, all six billion of us. We all need daily two things, bread and a name. One does not live by bread alone, all six billion. We all grow to a point of separation, a leaving home, a second identity, all six billion. We all love our families, love our children, love our grandchildren, our homes, all six billion. We all age, and after 40, as my friend says, it's maintenance, maintenance, maintenance all six billion. We all shuffle off this mortal coil en route to that undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns. All six billion. I remember in memoriam sitting in chapel at McGill University in the autumn of 1981 the preacher was my teacher for whom I was his teaching assistant and who until very recently was the Bishop of Durham, N.T. Wright. 
He stunned us that day by saying that just before his, the service, his wife had telephoned. Anwar Sadat had been killed. Sometime read again the way prison changed Sadat. Time in prison changed so many in the course of history, from Paul to Martin Luther King. Sadat wrote eloquently about the quiet and inner peace that he found there, which led to his courageous leadership, which led to his death. He wrote, I should like them to write on my tomb, he has lived for peace and he has died for his principles. I should like them to write on my tomb, he has lived for peace and he has died for his principles. May we live for peace and give ourselves to lasting principles, including these three. Diversity precedes unity. Diversity includes the poor. Diversity provokes prayer. May we live with clear memories of those who have given us saintly versions of living. Amen. As we prepare our hearts for prayer, I invite you to follow your tradition and stand, sit, or kneel at the altar rail. Now let us sing together the call to prayer, Lead Me Lord, hymn 473. Our refuge and for fortress, you are great and most worthy of praise, for you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. You are faithful to all your promises. We praise and thank you, Almighty God. Blessed be your holy name. Humbly, we confess that we have failed to live 
as Christ taught us. We find it impossible to love our enemies and difficult to forgive others. We often keep full account of what we give to others and demand full payment in return. Merciful Father, forgive us. We submit to you, Holy Spirit. We pray for the peace of mind in knowing that the Holy Father is in control. Revector our minds so that our thoughts will be on whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Recalibrate our vision so that we sense the beauty of your creation and focus on what we must do to preserve it. Refresh our mouths so that we speak your truth. Help us to give voice to compassion and love, nourishing those who hunger for a word of encouragement or support. Renew our hearts so that we live a life of love as Christ's love, acting out of compassion, love, and forgiveness. We pray for our nation, for in the last few days we have been reminded of real and present external threats. But let us be mindful of the threats that we ourselves pose to our nation. Deliver us from the evil that exists in our hearts, indifference to the plight of others, and intolerance of those who are different from us. Again, we ask that you renew our hearts so that we may be considerate and accepting of others. We pray for those who are at eternal rest. We remember those with whom we had a personal relationship. For those loving spouses, parents, children, and other relatives and dear friends, we give you thanks for their presence in our lives. We also raise up in prayer those we didn't know who sacrificed and fought for the freedoms we have today. For their patience, courage, and wisdom, we are thankful. We pray for those who continue to fight injustice, disease, poverty, and ignorance in this nation and around the world. Give us all the strength and conviction to continue the fight. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Haiti and Indonesia and all around the world who are facing challenges. Bless the poor, hungry, dejected, and rejected. Comforter Father, we bring all of our anxieties to you and pray for solace. Hear our prayers and petitions, for we offer them in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And now, as an assembly of the faithful, we pray together as the, pr the prayer that he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. My name is Elizabeth Fonby Hall. I am the Director of Hospitality here at Marsh Chapel. I'd like to welcome all of you who are here with us worshiping today. I'd also like to give a special welcome to Mr. Craig Parker, who uh, read for us today. He is the Campus Minister of Navigators. And I'd also like to welcome his wife, Nancy. Thank you for reading for us, Craig. I'd also like to give a special welcome to all of the alums that might be here with us today. As you might have noticed, it is alumni weekend. So alums, if you've um, liked what you heard today and feel like reconnecting with Marsh Chapel, um, there are various ways that you can do that. Actually, Marsh has just started an alumni group. So if you're interested in um, reconnecting in that fashion, you can contact me, find me after worship service, or you can email the chapel at chapel at bu.edu. Also, if you'd like to continue to listen to the worship services and you don't live in town, you can listen to us live on WBUR 90.9 FM on the radio or online at WBUR.org. You can also listen later to the podcast, which can be found on the chapel website, which is bu.edu slash chapel. I'd like to direct your attention to the red pads, which can be found at the end of each aisle, or at the end of each pew towards the center aisle. If you just take a moment to fill those out for us, um, and then also you can get to know the, those folks who are seated next to you as well. Every Sunday, with the exception of the first Sunday of the month when we have potluck, we have something called coffee hour downstairs in the marsh room. It's a great time to come together over food and refreshments for a time of fellowship. So we encourage you, if you've got time after worship, to join us downstairs in the marsh room for that. On Wednesday, November 3rd, we begin the month-long lecture series entitled Outlook, Shedding Light on the LGBT Community and Culture. Again, that starts Wednesday at 7 p.m. in the College of Arts and Sciences building, which is over here in room 224. This is sponsored by the LGBTQ ministry at Marsh Chapel. If you're looking for more information, you can check out the website or please find Liz Douglas after worship. And now we have Scott Jarrett who'd like to talk to us about the concert this weekend. This year marks the 200th anniversary of Robert Schumann's birth. And if you've been a regular attendant in our nave uh, in the past couple of weeks, you will have noticed that Justin Blackwell, our organist, has regularly been playing the organ works, the keyboard works of Schumann to celebrate uh, Schumann's birthday. This Saturday is a very special day because the chapel choir and collegium will perform Schumann's monumental oratorio, The Paradise and the Peri. Uh, it's a rarely known work and rarely performed. It's exceedingly beautiful, lyrical, and lovely. Story, uh, the story draws from Persian mythology and is a tale uh, basically of redemption and one you won't want to miss. It's this Saturday. There's something in your bulletin, I think, that looks similar to this card that I'm holding up. This Saturday at 7.30, uh, admission is $10. It's free for students. So please come support the choir, support the collegium, and celebrate Schumann's birthday. Thank you, Scott. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Gracious God, by our faith we offer these gifts to you. By our hope we gather together this morning concerned with our own needs and those of others, looking towards the promise of your gospel message. May these gifts be used in service to you and others through you. Amen.
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.